0: Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. It is the day after Christmas 2017. Lauren told me that this is called Boxing Day. And, you know, I've heard of Boxing Day before, but I've never really thought much about it. And so um, it's a British holiday, and uh, we were making jokes about what that could possibly mean and so I looked it up, and it turns out that apparently, they say that back in uh, old Great Britain, that on Christmas Day, all the servants had to obviously serve their masters and the master's family. And so the next day was when they got to celebrate Christmas with their own families. And so they would, they would box up Various uh, little leftovers and items of that kind, and bring it back to uh, to their folks. And so it was like a delayed Christmas. It's kind of interesting and tells you something about the irony, doesn't it, of, of Christmas and the wealthy, and how that you know Christmas is supposed to be this time to celebrate uh, giving and charity and cheer, and yet there was a whole separate Christmas created for the servants. <laughs> but I hope that you had an enjoyable christmas i am back here on the east coast so you know my schedule is always a little bit out of whack uh just because i'm a nocturnal creature and i'm working on projects that have very little consistency overall um but it's especially weird when you travel back and forth between the east and west coast and you you gain three hours and you lose three hours and You know, it it really does mess with you. So um, (laughs) I'm I'm reorienting myself after being on the West Coast for a month um, to it now being three hours ahead here on the East Coast. But I had a great Christmas. As a matter of fact, uh, we were in Atlanta for Christmas Day. And uh, Atlanta is about a four-hour drive from Asheville. And it was just the two of us, and we we don't have kids, we didn't have any family, and you know, we just decided to just do something, I don't know, kind of odd, I guess. Because, you know, Christmas is really for kids, as far as I'm concerned, and as far as like the way we celebrate uh, the traditions and all that. And so when you're an adult, uh, it kind of puts you in an odd spot if you don't have kids, I guess, uh, because most things are closed, and it turns out that in Atlanta, um, the Atlanta Aquarium, the Georgia Aquarium, which I have been told is the largest in the world, was open uh, on Christmas Day uh, from noon to 6 p.m. And we thought, oh, well, this would be a great time to go to the aquarium. Nobody will be at the aquarium on Christmas. Oh, boy. Boy, were we wrong. I mean, we must have stood in line 15, 20 minutes just to get in the door. And when we were inside, oh, my goodness, there were so many unruly kids running around everywhere just screaming and howling. Uh, It was, I actually started feeling claustrophobic after a while. And, And I must tell you, I know, you know, you can probably tell by now, I'm not the warmest, fuzziest guy all the time when it comes to, you know, traditional family oriented things and i found I, I found it absolutely amazing that you can be at this aquarium by the way it's a fantastic aquarium it's amazing they have beluga whales and and they have gigantic japanese crabs and i mean just like every manta rays that are like the size of your bedroom and so there's a lot of cool stuff to look at and i find it amazing How, you know, I can be standing there trying to get a decent look at one of these things, and somebody will have a baby with a bottle in its mouth and pretty much, like, bully my ass out of the way to shove this baby up to the glass. The baby doesn't know what the hell is happening. I'm a 41-year-old man. Who just paid forty bucks, you know, and yet I'm the a-hole here compared to the baby, you know. The baby gets top The baby gets to look, and when the baby doesn't even care, like I said, the baby's just the content to have that uh, little nipple in its mouth or whatever. So I, I do think that it's a little out of whack. Uh, there, there is a certain amount of. Um, I don't know some injustice toward toward adults when they go to uh, to places, th- I guess that are usually reserved, and, and in some people's minds for kids. But that is not at all true. I guarantee you, I could have gotten more out of that experience looking at that beluga well close up or whatever than that baby. Uh, so we 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 do put kids on a bit much of a pedestal. As a matter of fact. I tell you what, I don't think kids should be able to leave the house until they're 16 years old. How do you, does that sound reasonable? I mean, again, I don't have kids, so I'm just tossing this out there. But I'm thinking, well, you you've got the internet, right? Um, you've got television. Let just give them 16 years of learning what's out there and then finally you open the door on their 16th birthday and you give them the car keys and say, "Now, now you're a part of this." I, Again, may, 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 that's you might be horrified by that idea. Um, that's just me speculating off the top of my head. But anyway, look, all together we had a great time. It was a fun Christmas. After that we just went bar, bar hopping and uh, what's new, right? So at least we have that. At least we're not living in the days of, of strict prohibition. But uh, anyway, so listen, in the meantime the momentum from this ufo story has continued to pick up and i'm of course i'm talking about the disclosure if you want to call it that that's kind of a loaded word that uh was was in the news recently about the advanced aviation threat identification program where finally officials from the pentagon and uh, former politicians, senators, and all have come out and've said yep it's true um, we have recovered UFO debris, and we're trying to figure out what the heck it is. Well, listen to this new development if you if you haven 't heard this already, okay, so the guy who was in charge of this program from two thousand seven until um, two thousand actually just he just resigned. A few months ago, so he was really in charge of it until um, just you know recently. The 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 funding now. Just to remind you, the funding for this thing, taxpayer funding, ended in 2012, but the program is ongoing to this day. So the guy who was in charge of it this whole time is named Lewis Elizondo, and listen to this quote from him he says in my opinion if this was a court of law we have reached the point of beyond reasonable doubt I hate to use the term UFO but that's what we're looking at I think it's pretty clear this is not us and it's not anyone else so one has to ask the question, where they're from. End quote. How do you like that? So this is not some guy who's out there saying like, and I mean, mind you, this is a Pentagon official, former Pentagon official, who and, and and he could just say, yeah, you know, we have some weird stuff that fell from the sky and we don't know what it is and that's that. But no, he's going so far as to say, no. This is some other advanced technology from another civilization. And uh, he went on to say, quote, um, talking about the evidence, it was enough where we began to see trends and similarities in incidents. There were very distinct observables, extreme maneuverability, hypersonic velocity without a sonic boom, speeds of 7,000 miles per hour to 8,000 miles per hour, no flight surfaces on the objects. A lot of this is backed with radar signal data, gun camera footage from aircraft, multiple witnesses. There was never any display of hostility, but the way they maneuvered in ways no one else in the world had, you have to be conscious something could happen, end quote. And by the way, in the past, when I have done experiments like the one that I did uh, a few years ago called the Arecibo uh, Project, where I was working with Dr. Mulder with wishing machines and uh, Mr. Mobius on radio transmissions and Ellis, Investigator Ellis there in Puerto Rico, and we were trying to send out a signal. It was it was basically a message from George Norrie that we uh, broadcast into outer space asking for a UFO to appear, which did appear, by the way. If you don't know about this, go check out the footage at Um, There were people who were criticizing me, saying, oh, man, you're sending out an invitation to, to these things in outer space? Are you nuts? You know, this is dangerous. They could come here and destroy us. Okay, well, for one thing, look, they're already here. I mean, we've heard this over and over and over again from people who are associated with the government and people who, um, you know, people like Robert Bigelow who owns the big aerospace company and all that in Vegas. I mean, they're already here. Um, And and furthermore, if they had any ill will, like if they just wanted to wipe out humanity, it seems that they could obviously do that. They don't because I don't think they have the same kinds of motives that humans have humans think about that humans are the ones who think about dominating and destroying and controlling and that ironically is the sort of thing that will limit your ability to evolve and survive. I mean, it's like we have, we are kind of a suicidal species at this point because we keep killing each other and the planet, And ultimately what we're doing is we're gradually playing with killing ourselves by destroying the place where we live. It's like when something bad happens in some town. And so everybody decides to riot and then go out and destroy their own town. You're like, well, what good did that do? You destroyed your own town. Um, That's a very human quality. And I think that connects us to our ancestors, um, uh, you know, our animal ancestors. Uh, But, these beings have advanced to this point, I think, because they don't look at the world that way. Um, I don't know what their agenda is. Okay, let's, let's let's just be honest. I don't think anybody knows what their agenda is. But it's not to hurt us. It's not to harm us. And I'll tell you something really interesting. You know, I'm a guy who has a lot of great synchronicity in my life. Um, if you... Read some of my books, uh, like Use the Force. I've been talking about that a lot lately. Use the Force: A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction. If you read some of my books and you listen to some of the work that I've done, you've watched the Wishing Machine Workshop movie and stuff like that, you'll know that I'm a big believer uh, that there is some type of an organized structure here in the universe. That you know, I mean, I don't. It's hard to believe that there are folks who don't understand that, frankly. Uh, especially if you look at the rest of the universe and from what we can see, there's nothing that even remotely resembles what we have here on Earth. And so I'm always looking at these like uh, little fortunate things that just seem to click, you know, right right before you that some people would just uh, overlook. And, uh, and I take advantage of those moments. And so when Lauren and I were on the airplane flying from Las Vegas to Atlanta, uh, which, by the way, we weren't sure what it was going to be like flying on Christmas Eve. And as it turns out, in general, the airport was pretty dead. But our particular flight coming back was, was pretty packed. I guess it's because Atlanta is such a hub, the busiest airport in the world. And so we had, an, we, Lauren and I were sitting next to each other, of course, in an exit row, and then there was a seat beside Lauren. And at first it looked like that seat was going to be empty, like, oh, we could stretch out a little bit more. And um, then a man in military uniform showed up. And, and uh, they, uh, I guess he was in a different seat. And they, obviously, if you're active duty in the military, you get uh, special treatment. And so they asked him if he wanted a little more leg room. And they offered him this seat right next to Lauren. And so, and it, turns, so it turns out, as we're flying across the United States, Here's an active duty military man who gets to be sitting right next to us. Now we already had some movies geared up to watch on our Kindle. Um, I have you know books to read. You know I'm always prepared for how to kill time when you're flying. Uh, but as soon as I saw this active duty military guy sit down, I had to turn and uh, and chat with him. And it turns out the guy. Was a crew chief at Nellis Air Force Base, right outside of Las Vegas, and as you know, not very far from Area 51. And he was very friendly, and he was in a talkative mood. And that flight across the United States was, I think, the fastest flight I've ever been on across the United States. Because the entire time, we never turned on the Kindle, I never read a word out of a book, we just talked to this guy. And that's like a four-hour flight. And I mean, I swear to you, it seemed like a 90-minute flight. It was all, We We almost thought we'd like time-traveled or something. And, uh, so I started asking him the, the, the usual questions like, okay, you're in the air force right now. You're in Las Vegas. The guy was from the deep South, but he'd been stationed there in Nevada for, for a while. And, uh, and I brought up all this news about UFOs and everything. And he didn't seem a bit surprised by any of it. And he, he said, he goes, and not that this guy's gonna spill his guts and tell me everything, of course, because he, you know, obviously I told him what I do and I'm in in the media. Uh but he he said um he said we all pretty much know um that there are these things that are flying around and he goes, We we don't know what they are. Um and he he was i mean just really matter of fact about it i mean it, it's it's not this is not a big deal anymore i mean there there was a time when even hinting at the possibility that there are ufo's flying around here would have been enough to possibly get you killed i mean i remember uh watching some of those first documentaries that were made about the roswell incident where they talked to people in that area who were young people at that time. Like there was one woman, for example, who was pretty much a little girl, and she said to this guy from the military, he came and he said, listen to me, you didn't see anything, you haven't heard anything, if you ever talk about this, we'll come here, we'll basically take you and your family Nobody will ever see or hear you guys again and there's a big desert out there and all you have to do is fly our helicopter out in the middle of that desert and drop your bodies and nobody will ever know what happened to you, okay? And so that's the kind of threat level that was associated with this stuff going back to, you know, 70 years ago, whatever. Um, Now, however, it's not a big deal. And, 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 Yet there are still people out there, uh, and, and, and what's ironic is that most of them are quote-unquote scientists. They are scientists who say, oh, no, this is, this is hogwash. Like those scientists have access to all the information. See, that's the thing about science is a process that is based upon having access data if you don't have access to the data you cannot draw a scientific conclusion and so if you don't get the data and you say well because I don't have the data then I'm going to conclude that there's nothing to this until I get the data that is a very narrow-minded and small-minded and actually it's an outright stupid point of view because really what you should be doing is saying look I have not seen evidence for this or that or the other. But I am also not the person who would necessarily get access to that evidence if it were available. And so you need to have a very open mind. And now we have people who are coming forth who are saying, I have access to the data or I had access access to the data and it's true and it's here and this is real and this is what's happening so i don't know how how long we're going to beat the dead horse over whether or not the ufos are flying around here i think it's time for all of us who are somewhat intelligent to realize like hey you can either stay in this holding pattern or let's just move forward a little bit past the idea of whether or not they might be here and talk about, like, okay, well, what what are they and why are they here and what's going on and how does that affect us and how can how can we benefit from this? Uh, it's time to use our resources more in, in that regard. So it's happening, and that's good. And uh, I really – I just feel so strongly that 2018 is going to be a year that's going to change everything where um, what's happening with this UFO information is going to explode. More and more people are going to feel like this is acceptable and credible to come out and add their own bit of the story to. And uh, remember what I've said before. Uh, all this paranormal stuff is connected at some level. It's like Charles Ford said, you can measure a circle beginning anywhere. So once the UFO thing gets out there, then what you're going to find is that all the other things we consider paranormal, psychic phenomena, ghosts, cryptids, interdimensional activity, all that stuff is also going to start gaining more and more of a foothold because what we're really dealing with is the relationship between matter and energy. UFOs are the most obvious example of this. But once we see just how complex and amazing that relationship between matter and energy can be, then we can start applying that to all these other sort of exotic and mystical and advanced things that we consider paranormal now, but will not be paranormal at some point in the future. So anyway, I hope you find all that interesting. I hope you share my point of view and my excitement about what's happening here that said, um, this podcast is called Joshua P. Warren Daily, and that's because I do my best to leave one for you every day, regardless of where I am. I, I just I literally phone these things in from wherever I am in the field, as long as I have a signal. And uh, it's always short. It's always free. If you go to joshuapwarren.com, you can uh, find all kinds of cool stuff You'll also find a link to this podcast. You can subscribe through various means. You can follow me on Twitter, and I will usually tweet when there is a new one. I am having trouble for some reason with my new cell phone tweeting from the cell phone, so sometimes my tweets are getting delayed. I don't know what the problem is. Uh, And I want to point this out, and I'm going to continue doing this. Now, I am working on a big event in Las Vegas in mid to late May of 2018. I can't tell you yet exactly what it is. But if you put that on your calendar. Save the date. I've been negotiating like crazy to make this thing as affordable and as fun and like mind-boggling as possible. So remember that mid to late May 2018, hopefully, 99% sure, you're going to be in Vegas with me. And I'm going to show you something that you're going to love. So uh, that said, I will keep you updated. And uh, as usual, thank you. Thank you so much for your interest. Um, Thank you for your support. Happy holidays, season's greetings, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Thank you for staying curious, and I will talk to you again soon.